something, you know. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel, what's the next word? Offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of, of God, of things not seen as yet, everybody say moved, with fear prepared, and ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive inheritance, everybody say obeyed, and he went out and not knowing whether he went, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised, therefore sprang even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and the multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them. Now I have, I, 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 it goes on, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up as Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, accounting that God was able to raise him up from the dead. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. You see, here's what I'm talking about today. I always have read this wonderful book, reading what God did. But today I'm reading it to you to tell you what they did. Because what they did came before what God did. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood. By faith they passed through the Red Sea. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. When she had received the spies with peace. Brothers and sisters, I'm talking today about what the people of God did. Because when the people of God did what they did, then God does what he's going to do. 
If you will, I will, saith the Lord. That's covenant giving. If you will, he says, I will. And I've heard about covenant living, and I believe in living in covenant with him. In fact, that's, that's what it's really all about. But I never understood covenant giving until we started in the middle of our campaign. And I started realizing in Scripture that God's always looking for us to do something first. He's always saying, if you do this, then I will do that. If you'll do this, I will... I remember as a child being raised in the kind of worship services that we sat and we kind of praised and we went through the hymns and we sang, we did this, but we were really waiting on God to do something and, and maybe every 14th week, maybe a little more, but it seemed like that somebody get, oh, they get excited. It's like, okay, God did something to them and I, and I one day woke up and realized that God's doing so. Every day he wakes me up. Every day the sun shines somewhere. Every day puts life within me. We don't need to wait for what God's doing. He's doing it every day. Covenant living and covenant giving means that we do our part. And after we do our part, God will certainly do his part. Can you trust God today? Can you trust God today? That's what it's all about. Can you trust God today? If if you gave God everything you had went down to zero, can you trust that he'd give it back to you? Do you think you built your kingdom? Do you think you're responsible for the job you have and the money you get and the house you live in and the car you drive? Or can you trust him enough to know that it was God that gave that to you? It was the Almighty that provided your every need. And if he can do it the first time, do you believe he can do it again? We're not talking about a small work here. We're talking about a great work. Hebrews 11 categorically proves that when God's people proactively invest themselves, their time and their treasure into God's kingdom, the Almighty enjoins His magnificent treasure and endless power to show the world that these are my people on this earth. I've been on some pretty good teams over the years. I used to play a little more basketball than I do, and I got a defibrillator, and doctors said I could do anything I wanted until I asked him if I could play ball, and then he about had a heart attack himself. I played on a team that we won the Upper League Softball World Series, placed sixth, fourth, and they went on to take first. I've been on some competitive kind of things. I really do like to win. Uh, It takes dedication to win. It takes commitment to win. It takes great effort. You don't want to be that guy that lets the team down. And when you're in the batter's box and, and there's two outs in the bottom of the last inning and you win it or lose it with one swing of the bat, a lot of pressure there. You don't want to lose. You want to make sure you give it your best and your best effort. And when it's all over, you stand with the trophy in hand and it's all worth it. I propose today that after having been a part of God's team in our capital campaign and after our 36 months was over, 
and seeing the house that God built for his glory. It is the single most awesome thing I've ever been a part of in my life. If in the back of your mind you still think this is about a building, then you're missing the point. If in the back of your mind you think this is just about money, you're missing the point. We need to put front and center that God's wanting to baptize your 500 newest friends and fill them with the Holy Ghost. I mean, you just don't have enough room in here. God wants to give you revival, but it would, wouldn't help you any because you have no room for revival. And God wants to do this, but now you need a bigger barn. You need a bigger tent. You've got to find a way to get out there. This is not about buildings and money. It's about souls. And I don't know. I've, I've had those discussions over the years, and I've studied and thought and prayed, Lord, how many people can one church have? How many people can I really pastor and be effective? How are we going to do this? I really don't know. I don't know how far it's going to go, but I promise you, you're not where you need to be yet, but you're about to get there. I, I promise you right now that God has something special. There, there's no team like God's team. Come on, give somebody next to you a high five and say, I'm glad we're on the same team. I mean, God's a dead ringer every time. Like having Pete Rose playing every position, you can't lose. I still like Pete, sorry, but I, I'm sure you do too, but I'm a Pete fan. And I won't go into that any farther, but I want to. <laughs> if you ask me, one of my most egregious weaknesses has been, pa been in pastoring. If I told you what one of the great weaknesses I was, it was, I, I would tell you that my weakness was not asking good people to give sacrificially. I'm not the money guy. I'm just not that fella. I, I, I want my people to have nice homes and nice cars, and I, I want them to have everything wonderful. I, I, I'm a, I, you know, I, I just love humanity, and I love people, and I, I just want everybody to do good. And I, I, I have all kinds of guidelines and laws and rules and, and suggestions and about marriage and I want kids to have a home before they get married. Why, why spend so much money on a wedding? You don't have a down payment for a house. I don't know. It's just kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, it's, it's, my, it's just me. No, it's, it's not laws. It's just, just my thought. I don't want them to have the renter's trap and be stuck there and can't raise money to, to move on. And I, I just want people to do well. I, I, that's me. And so one of my weaknesses has been not challenging people to give as much as I should have done uh, because now I've seen what the Lord has done with that and when I now see the blessings that God's put on people's lives I look in the mirror with shame I look in the mirror with sadness and I think just what could have been if I'd have just stood up and says I love you but if you'll sacrifice God will double what you already have I cheated our folks out of extravagant blessings for too long, and I promise that's never going to happen again.
this church is launching the absolute greatest, most important endeavor of its existence. I remind you what I felt since yesterday and early this morning when I wake up. Y'all are doing a great thing. Now, you know, there are going to be churches that are not ready for a great thing. In fact, most churches are not. There will be churches that they're not ready. If I'd come to them today and say, hey, God wants to do it, and they'd be so excited until I got down to the part to say, okay, now this is what you got to do to get involved. And they'd go, well, just uh, maybe not. But what I feel in this room is the faith. And what I hear is going on, by the way, wow, the giving has been extravagant. Hmm. You see, not every church is ready for this. Not every church is ready. I would waste my time in some cities right now. I would waste my time in some churches talking about this because everybody wants it if God's doing it. But some people don't want to do it if they have to get involved in it. I mean, if I got to sell my car, if I got to keep the old car a couple more years, I have to get rid of my cable TV because I can't afford that and give both. If if I got to sacrifice some things, oh, this is, you know, this is kind of, we'll let somebody else do that. I'll tell you what's happened, and I'm about to get ahead of myself, but what's happened in my church is those that's really sacrificed, oh, good night, if you knew how God was blessing them. Woo! You're going to show the world that when God's people join their resources with God's, that the windows of heaven opens up, and the impossible is shredded by the miraculous. It shall. Had a few people that signed up in our campaign, trusting God. And they put everything under trusting God. And guess how much they gave? And guess how much they're blessed? Because they missed the principle of covenant giving. We're just trusting God. And as apostolics, we have this tendency just to trust God for everything. And look at 11 of Hebrews again and look at it differently. I want you to read in there what they did. And after they did what they did, then God did what he did. Give and it shall be given. The greatest covenant giving scripture in the whole Bible. Give and it shall be given. Press down. Shaken together. I was preaching that a couple years ago, and the Lord showed me something. It's just simple. It's just flat. No, he, I'm simple. You know, I'm, my wife is brilliant. She's like this straight A plus whatever student. She couldn't handle anything. But, a, I mean, she, she, she finished the semester one time, and she's in there typing. I said, what's going on? And she said, oh, the professor said, if I do one more paper, I'll get a, not an A, but an A plus. I'd be really happy for the A. <laughs> so, so I have a brilliant wife, and I'm dyslexic. So we just kind of, we, yeah. You could pray for her, please. <laughs> you know, but but it's it's so simple. But the, I, I was teaching on and giving it shall be given, and the Lord showed me something. He says, "Here's what happens." He says, "I have this barrel, and my barrel's really big, by the way, and I got a lot in my barrel." Anybody know he he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the gold in the mountain. He said, "I got a big barrel." He said, "Then you take your part and you put it in that barrel, and when you put your part in that barrel." 
He said, then I press it with mine. What's he doing? He's, he's making one mine and his. I'm telling you, if you got a bank account and you got a hundred thousand in your checking account and you want to share banking with me, I'm willing. You want to put my name on the account. I've only got a hundred dollars to invest, but I put my hundred dollars into your hundred thousand dollars. Anybody here ready for that kind of deal? And so he says, I got this big barrel, it's full. Everything you could imagine. He says, I got it. And you put your little bit in that. He says, what do I do? He says, I press it down, I press it down, I press it down. Then I shake it together. And then it runs over. And his barrel becomes our barrel. We just take the little bit we have, we give it, and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Clap your hands to the Lord. Brothers and sisters at Tree of Life, you are now writing your own personal Hebrews 11. You are writing a testament right now for your children and your children's children to read. What we're doing here today is about souls out there. It's about people out there, but it's also for your children and your children's children. Fourth and fifth and sixth generation. They're going to rise up and say, you're telling me my parents actually sold their house and put all the cash in the church? You're saying they got rid of their car and put it all in the church? Are you telling me they emptied their 401k in their bank accounts and put it all in the church? Are you telling me they took a real, a real chance on an investment and put it all into the kingdom? They did that and look at me now. Now, I don't want to get crazy here, but I probably should a little bit. If you want your grandchildren to do well, well, you'll set them up for well today, right now, this year. I'm a living testimony. My grandparents, he traveled around the country. He raised up 12 churches, pastored. My dad was in three high schools in one year. Grandpa could go into a town. He started in the Brush Harbor days. Put the stump up and started preaching. People throwing tomatoes and eggs at him. Denominational people in town, they'd come out there and come after him. He had fists in his face, and he just kept preaching and preaching, and he'd baptize 50 people, 100 people. Hand it off to someone. Go somewhere else and do it again and do it again and do it again. And he just kept doing it. And, 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 and my grandfather didn't have much, but today I have a lot. And everything I have, I look back and I know that it was my grandpa. It was his sacrifice. It was his living on nothing but faith. And so today, I'm a person that reaps from several generations back. I don't deserve what I have, but it was them back there that says, we're going to make the sacrifice. Each of you are going to be given an opportunity to place your name in this church's Hall of Fame faith book. And your children and your children's children will one day give praise and honor to you because of your great sacrifice. And no doubt about it, they will read your book. 
the most awesome and sometimes the worst day of a person's life is the day after they die and the grandchildren start reading their books. They start seeing their life. They start seeing where they did well or they cheated. My two sons were asked to go through the files of the grandpa who they loved many years ago. And they kept coming out to my wife and I saying, it was my, my, my wife's uh, father, mother, says, what, what, what's he doing here? What, what, what happened here? And we knew it, but we didn't really want our kids to know. But I'm telling you, after you die, the third and fourth generation will start knowing what you really did with your life. You can say, I believed and I trusted God, but if you've never gone down to broke, you haven't trusted him enough. You can say, I have faith that God can do it again, but if you won't let go of the first time, you didn't give him an opportunity to do it again. I've sold out my wife and I three times completely. And today, you know, I drive a brand new Lexus LS460 that the Lord gave me at the end of our campaign. I didn't pay a nickel for it. It's all paid, the insurance, the license, the everything. All I do is put gas in it. It was just a blessing of the Lord. I live in a house on a lake I never should be able to do. I don't know how it happened. I, it just happened at the end of the campaign. I'm more blessed than I've ever been in my entire life. And, and honest to goodness, we just, we just really didn't care. I, I just, just don't care. It just doesn't matter anymore. The, the great thing is more important than anything else. It's imperative that we take notice today. All the heroes of faith were practicing witnesses of covenant relationship with God. All of these witnesses debunked the idea that faith is some sort of repetitive chant or seance just waiting on God to do what they've asked him to do. Faith is not feckless, which would merely be a desire void of substance being worthless. Faith is not thinking of a thought or dwelling on a thought until it happens. Faith is not empty hope or casual desire. Faith is the Shunammite woman that although she only had enough meal in the barrel for her and her son to have one more meal during the famine, she obeyed the call of the man of God and gave him their last meal and God caused the barrel to never run out. She invested her and her son's future in the word of the prophet. She joined God's team that day. I am challenging everybody here today. Sign up. Get on God's team. Faith is making a covenant with the Almighty and believing that he is the rewarder of he or she that diligently seeks him. Faith is stepping up to the plate and taking a swing at the impossible with deliberate and bold actions. The substance of faith is often sacrifice. It is a sacrifice of time, treasure, and our will on the journey to the impossible. You better believe we are on a journey to the impossible. I don't want to see what you can do. I want to see what God can do with what you can do. It's not interesting just to see what we can do. It's interesting to see how much we're willing to do. How great do we want God to be? How big do we want this to happen? What kind of testimony do we want to have in our city and in the central United States of America where substance is more substantial than wishes? Substance is when we put skin in the game as we trust in God's promises. God says in Malachi, prove me now through tithes and offerings that I will open up the windows of heaven. The only place in the Bible that talks about that. Pour you out blessings that you cannot contain. 
It's amazing that the place that talks about opening up the windows of heaven has to do with us and our covenant giving. You see, none of the persons that use the category of trusting God gave anything at all. Seeing we have such a great cloud of witnesses, so run, the scripture says. And brothers and sisters, do I evermore have a great cloud of witnesses? Not from the Old Testament, not from Hebrews, but from the 21st century. The miracles that happen in Columbus at the sanctuary are beyond my ability to comprehend. But I want to tell you about them today. And some of you are going to reach up when I, when I talk about one of these. You're going to grab hold of that and say, okay, God, that's me. It's going to happen. Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. About two and a half years ago, the sanctuary of Columbus, Indiana, finished our campaign called Imagine to transform our church forever and ever. I want to testify today about the great cloud of witnesses. Look at their picture. David and Susan Kreider, wonderful couple. Imagine happened and David's always said, I want to be the biggest giver in the church. But he didn't come near making the most money. He comes up to me after our first offering. And faithless me, we'd never raised an offering over 30,000, so my goal was 100,000. And at the end of that day, the offering was 324,000. I, I had to apologize to the church. <laughs> it's really bad when you're preaching faith and giving and all that, and then you don't have enough faith to even, I'm just saying. I had to go, I said, I'm sorry. Oh, me of a little faith, sorry about that. So we get done, and I finished, and I'm behind the pulpit, and up walks Dave, and he says, uh, Pastor, I, I, I know today I decided to just give a great portion of my commitment today, and he says, and, and I knew you were going to wonder what happened, but he says, I, I, I cashed in my uh, 401K. And when he said that, I, I just adamantly got in his face. I said, Dave, you cannot do that. You're 50 years old. You cannot do that. I mean, Dave, and I'm begging him and pleading, Dave. And he looks at me and he says, I knew you'd say that. That's why I did it without asking you about it. I told you I have problems. I have issues. And I said, but Dave, I mean, you know, whatever, but not your 401K. He says, no. He said, my wife and I said, we've prayed about it, and we decided that's it. We're going to do it. So we did it, and it's in there. And I said, but Dave, he said, do you believe what you've been preaching? Well, I couldn't say no. I said, well, of course I do. He says, well, we do too. I believe God can replace that. Now he's preaching to me. God blessed them with seven times the amount of the 401k given.
Now, if everybody here raise your right hand and promise you won't tell a single soul and you won't let anybody in Columbus, Indiana know, especially you. <laughs> I'll tell you the rest of the story. Susan's grand, a great uncle is Gerald Mangan Sr. His, her grandma lived in Columbus a few doors down from us, used to be in the church, and then went from being in the church to not liking the church. And when she married someone in our church, he came into the church, got the Holy Ghost, and got married. Her grandma pushed her away, wouldn't even hug her at her own wedding. Got so upset, took her out of her estate, took her out of her will. Her son, her only son is an attorney, is my, my attorney and my friend. She knew she was cut out of the will because she'd wanted to live for the Lord. And this is a substantial will. When her grandfather died, un shocking to me, they called me to do the funeral. I went, she hates me. <laughs> So I did the funeral. When grandma dies, she put it in there. She wanted me to do the funeral. So I did her funeral too. And I'm not understanding what's going on here. After the funeral, her dad, who's an attorney, calls, says, hey, you need to come with your brother to read the estate. She says, dad, please, please. She says, you know what happened. He says, I know, but you still need to come. She walks in, sits down in a few minutes. He looks at her, he starts reading the will, he just says, now Susan, now you know very well what grandma did, says yes, and he says, it was wrong, she said, well, yes, and she says, a couple months ago, grandma came to me and says, you know, that was wrong what I did, and they went from losing 85,000 of 401k to becoming millionaires overnight. Jared and Sue Ann received a new job that included two new vehicles provided by the company, a new baby, new health insurance, covered all the baby's expense. That's a lot of money. Our trust God amount was met when they received a check for tuition, overpayment, reimbursement, and all his college was paid for. Mark and Deanna Cook sold Apple stock to give to Imagine. Within three months, their net worth not only recovered the investment, but by the end of the year, their net worth was up 17% than it was before the gift. He, he's tracks his, he tracks his net worth every day. He's a, he's a financial consultant for Anthem, and he, he tracks it every day. And, and suddenly when he just gave it all, he kind of wouldn't look for a while. And he'd come back one day, he says, look, 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 look. He says, not only did I get back what I gave, it's up 17% on top of that. And that all happened in a few months. The McCreary's were blessed with a full-time job instead of her part-time, became a homeowner for the first time with an amazing address living on Victory Boulevard. The Francis broke his car sales record and extra bonuses became the number one in his company that were given more to him than once during this campaign, and he would give all his bonuses. He committed his bonuses. He committed his bonuses. He committed his bonuses. He com I think I'm trying to say something here right now. We have a whole lot more than we think we do. We are blessed a whole lot more than we think we are. I'm telling you, you ought to get ready. You ought to get ready for your tax refund that's coming. You ought to get ready for that. You know why? Because I know it's just extra money to do this and do that and do whatever. If everybody in this congregation this next year or two would throw their tax refund check into this building fund, you'd be shocked how many hundreds of thousands of dollars that would be. If you have the want to, you can do it in Jesus' name. 
Another couple had their daughter was healed, and all the medical bills were paid from their daughter's illness, debt-free. The Hattons, after giving faithfully, they become debt-free. Derek and Gerald, an unexpected check arrived in the mail from an insurance claim from many years ago, the exact amount they pledged to imagine. Jorge and Amy got a full-time position in the school system, found housing, received free furniture. Haley Barnes, healing in her ear that she couldn't hear after the doctors declared that she had a recurring tumor in her Jennifer, Jennifer Miller, she being a teacher, was asked to teach the after-school program. That was four times the amount she had pledged to imagine. Kaylee Cowles got the Holy Ghost. And let me just add to that, her mom and dad that didn't want her to come to church, mother come in one day and got the Holy Ghost. And then her... Today, her mom and dad live in a city in northern Indiana, both of them in the church, attending the church. It all happened because Austin Sizemore, while he was in college, he received a gift of $100. He gave that to Imagine, and after that, a few weeks, he got a gift of $500. He gave that, and after that, and it just kept building and building, and the more he would, and he's in college. Hello, he's in college. Hello, no income, and he just started giving, and the Lord just kept multiplying. Now he's our youth pastor. John and Pam Walker, got a, they got a letter from a former employee that 20 years ago, he had money in a pension plan that he didn't know about. That was owed to him. They were able to give 10000 that exceeded the amount they were trusting God to give to imagine. And these were one of the families in our church that said, we're going to really do it right. We had 20 to 25 families that committed to give a whole year's salary in 36 months. Now, if you make 100000 that means you live on 200000 for three years. That's almost 70, not quite 70 a year. But when you're like them and you make 40000 you live on eighty for three years, you're almost in poverty. I couldn't figure out how it was going to happen, but I'm telling you, it just kept happening. John went out and he started, he started getting the liquidators. He'd get big pallets of things and he'd buy it for nothing and then he would sell each piece, a piece at a time, sell it back online. And he started making money for Imagine. He sold everything he'd get his hands on. He fixed stuff up and sold it. You know why? Because he had already wanted to give. They didn't have money. 40000 is no money today. You all know what that's about. And yet they, they just kept giving and giving and giving. And then suddenly he gets a letter and says, oh, wow, by the way, you got another ten twenty thousand dollars $20,000 that you didn't know you had. Rob and Kathy pledged their tax refund, knowing that the year before it was very small. But they said, God, if you'll bless it, I'll do that. Their tax refund that year that they pledged, it was three times more than they expected. Jason and Mindy, since given to Imagine, received a brand new kitchen free. The remodel project was 2000 instead of 10000 Cecilia Rose received 1000 in unexpected funds from a mortgage company. Belinda Coleman, her husband, got baptized. Margaret Stevens, a retired widow, after a $3,000 dental bill, she was only charged $200. Ryan and Ashley Mitchell, my son, unexpected Funds from a tax situation at the closing of their home. The Perkins, Steve and Peggy, got new jobs and pay increases. Ron and Lola, retired, received an unexpected insurance check, almost the amount pledged. After raising his imagined pledge, Ron was in a serious truck accident in which all vehicles were totaled and not drivable. But he was blessed with life and only a few, few bruises. Larry and Sharon credit card debt was paid. New job for Larry with the veterans office, making money and being retired 
both. Carlock obtained a full-time job with insurance and retirement benefits. Chappelle got a new and better job. Heath and Alicia got a full-time teaching position for Alicia. Opportunities for Heath to get a doctorate degree, and they were given a brand new vehicle. Tina Gary had opened her mail one day. She'd found out that she had a third cousin in South Carolina somewhere that she had met one time when she was eight years old. And this check comes from the lawyer's office and says, oh, by the way, says, uh, you know, you're the third cousin of this lady in South Carolina. And when she died, she puts you in your will. Tina Garriott was cleaning houses for a living. Her husband does not come to church. She does not have money. And she she committed, I think it was $15,000, and suddenly she had already given five, and she was really pushing it. She only had a couple months left, and she was trying hard, doing her best, wondering, how am I going to come up with the other $10,000? And suddenly she gets a check in the mail and says, oh, your third cousin that you met one time, just give you a check for $25,000. These are not mistakes. Leah Sr., after making their pledge, was unable to work because of cancer. But even though she's home with cancer, they continued to pay their pledge. And her chemo treatments were stopped early since the healing process was shorter than they expected. And the Lord gave them a new house. No way to explain how that happens. Reggie got a tutoring job on top, and now he works for the church, and and his sister starts making a lot of money out in Vegas or something, doing whatever she's doing, so she pays him to work at the church. He's on our staff every day, and we don't give him one red cent because his sister started making a lot of money. She says, I know you love the Lord, and you love to teach Bible studies, and you just want to be on staff, so I'm going to give you a salary so you can be on staff. I'm telling you, covenant giving will change your life. They were given two vacations worth more than they contributed in one week. My wife and I had property, and the, the trees were just, oh, the price was terrible. And suddenly, as the campaign starts, the price goes up on lumber. And so we sold a bunch of trees and got some more money. A new home, got a new home, really nice home. I totally remodeled it. Please don't tell your wives, fellas, but it's the first house I've ever finished. But it's finished as of now. It's totally remodeled. And just found out the other day, I did a little check, and my real estate value today on my property is worth 200000 more than before imagined. Almost doubled what we gave. Almost doubled what we gave. The Michaels found a house they wanted to buy. The owners would not accept their offer. Five months later, the same house was for sale again, and they got to buy it for $20,000 less than their first offer. You see, God doesn't have to give you more. He can just, he can cause something to be cheaper. Jason, tax return check increase, pay increase in the new job, Philip and Sonia, unexpected bonus checks, free lodging while traveling, family inheritance, Philip got a raise all three years during Imagine with stock options, Sonia got a promotion on her job with a 15% raise, and now a 54% raise. 
Dustin and Nikki protection while Dustin was employed in the Middle East out of country in the military. Josh and Rashana, unexpected bonus checks and a new home. Georgia Shipley, a widow, monthly pay increase. The, the Edwards healing and help for Eric's major health issues. Energy bill paid for them. 15 to 20 to 25 families in our church gave a year's salary in 36 months' time. It seemed impossible, but let me just tell you, the people in our church that committed the most, every one of them came through and it happened for them. It reminded me of Mary pouring perfume of her only treasure on the feet of Jesus. All she had, the value of this expensive perfume just happened to be one year's salary for this woman. She gave him an extravagant gift. God recognizes extravagant gifts. If you want an extravagant blessing, give an extravagant gift. I could go on for hours today of the miracles that came after people sacrificed for imagined. The Almighty recognizes these extravagant sacrifice, whether it's Mary washing Christ's feet with expensive perfume or folks giving a whole year's salary for the Christ kingdom. God rewards extravagant sacrifice. You see, after having sacrificed with some giving almost everything, you would think that they've given everything and our church would be completely broke. Obviously, that would make sense. You would be wrong. Surrounding a couple months before the end of our campaign through a couple months after, more than 32 families purchased new homes. And there's no way you can figure that out. At the end of the campaign, I started hearing, oh, they got a home, and they got a home, and they got a home, and they got a home. And I, I started adding it, and finally I got to 17, and then 20. And in the six months at the end of the campaign and right past the campaign, between January and June, the campaign ended the middle of April for us. And 32 families bought new homes. How can that happen when they had given almost everything they had? There were no millionaires in our church. Let me just remind you, there was nobody could write the check. These are people that just work hard. They work hard every day. Ladies and gentlemen, God can do with whatever you give him to do with. The Walkers, the Criders, the Smiths, the Vales, the Fullertons, the Mitchells, the Cows, Hamill, Holt, Edwards, uh, L'Oreal, Cochran, uh, McCreary, Coray, Hudson, Waltz, Jenners, Johnson, Sizemores, Shelley's, Michaels, Labiak, Cur Courier, Meeks, I mean, on and on and on. And my, and my wife and I all had new homes at the end of the campaign after people had given almost everything they had. The Louthers, a wonderful couple in our church, been in the church maybe 10, 15 years. They both worked for state government. The week after our commitment Sunday, the Indiana governor, governor declared a moratorium on pay increases for the next couple of years. <laughs> Happened the week after they committed, and they committed $100,000. They committed a year's salary. Since they had committed over 100000 which was a year's wages, this is going to be tough now. Halfway through the campaign, he says, I would like to testify, and I didn't let anybody stand up, but I know him. And he stood up and he said this. We were told a week after week pledged that nobody's going to get pay raises, and both my wife and I work for the state government. 
And he said, in the last 18 months since we started the campaign, we have received nine pay increases, which together completely was the amount of their pledge. He said, my pledge is costing me absolutely nothing because now the Lord has given back more than I pledged. And he said, so today we're going to add 20000 to our commitment because we really need to be a part of giving. Give, everybody say, and it shall be given. I'm telling you, the cooks in our church had given 120000 to Imagine Campaign, completing their commitment six months early, eight months early. Mark was praying one day in the altar, and the Lord prompted him to check his net worth. This is the guy that gave the apple stock. He said, no, God, I, you know, it's pretty depressing these days. <laughs> They'd emptied their, their stock, and he'd emptied his portfolio. And he hadn't looked since he started the campaign because it was a little depressing. And the Lord says, no, you need to go check. He said, but God. He says, no, you need to go. He said, okay. So he opens up his laptop, and again, his computer graphs it. And he starts looking at this. Under, understanding the degree and profession of him as a finance man, he'd emptied all of his accounts. Finally, as God persisted, he opened his lap laptop to his utter amazement. His net worth was $120,000 more than what it was when he gave. $120,000 more than what, and that's the amount that he committed to give to the Lord. And not only, not only did God give him that back, he gave him $120,000 more. And he says, I didn't get bonuses. I didn't get an inheritance. I have no idea what happened to my stock portfolio. But everything I started investing started exploding. At first, he couldn't understand. But now he's praising and worshiping the Lord because he knows that God did it. And as he's praising the Lord, can't wait to go home and tell his wife. And he thanks him again. He said, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he stopped for a moment. The Lord says, do it again. And he went, whoa, 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 do what, do what? The Lord says, do it again. It's the challenge today. If God can give you to you once, can he do it twice? Can he do it again? He says, I folded my laptop up, and I was suddenly went from rejoicing to Ooh. Ooh. Oh, my. Do I really trust him to do it again? He said, I thought when I go home, my wife, now his, both of these are penny pinchers. Uh, they don't, they, they, he drives a Prius and commutes to work, and he drafts semis with a Prius. You get the gist. I passed him on the interstate, and he's sitting there reading something on the back of a truck. He's drafting in a Prius. He said, when I go home, my wife would go, come on, we've already done our part, we're done. He said, so I walk in and sit down and told her, good news, bad news. What's the good news? He says, well, the Lord did this. And boy, she was so excited. He said, well, what could be the bad news? He says, the Lord told me to do it again. And I just knew she'd go, uh-uh. And she looked at me and just stared at me and stared at me and stared at me. And then she picked her head up and says, just so I get to write the check. We had a convert, and I'm about to come to an end here, and you might kind of play me out of this pulpit. You know. 
this nice man named Larry. He's a retired farmer in his 70s. Big old dude, maybe missing a tooth or two. And you can park a coffee cup on his belly. And he's a big, wonderful, jolly guy. If you come to our church, he loves to greet people. So he's there, man. He's out there just loving people. He didn't know anything about Pentecost. It was all new to him. And he lived in a studio apartment that he rented. And all he had as a possession was an old pickup truck. He came to the church toward the middle of our campaign and loved the church. With only a couple months in our campaign and us needing 800000 to meet our commitment, let me tell you where we were. December, our last campaign Sunday for the year, and we actually only had until the middle of April until our campaign was over. Our folks had committed $2.5 million. Man, we got some money up here. Man. Here we are. Middle of December. <laughs> told my son, I said, you know what, son, said, I know their commitments were 2.5 million, but I don't want the people to lose, and I want them to have a win, and 2 million is awesome for us, just awesome. I said, I'm going to go to the podium tomorrow and proclaim that 2 million is going to be good, and we're going to be excited about raising 2 million, and Holy Ghost is in this house right now. said he said I'm just gonna I'm gonna go tomorrow and just say two billion will be good we needed two billion to start building and that night about four o'clock in the morning I was in deep sleep I'm telling you God's about to multiply all of this hands aren't big enough for what God's gonna do <laughs> He's going to multiply it. He woke me up about four in the morning. He's screaming at me. He's mad. He says, I didn't put two million in your belly. You know, in the campaign, we pray, and the Lord puts it in our heart what we ought to give. He says, I didn't put two million in your belly. I put 2.5 million. I felt like there would be flames of fire about to take me out because I was about to turn to the congregation and say, let's just go for two. I couldn't find a way we could get to two, much less two and a half. There was no way all the people that had given the most had already given, and there was no highway to make two five in my mind. And he said it the second time. And when I realized he was going to let me live, I said, okay, God. As I'm walking into the church, I turned to Marvin, my son, and I said, by the way, Marvin, I know I told you yesterday was going to go for two, but 
Uh, I'll talk to you about it later, but the Lord spoke to me last night. I'm going for 2-5, and he looked at me like, you're going to raise $800,000 in four and a half months. <laughs> I walked to the podium with the confidence of knowing that the Lord had spoken to me. I knew he had. <laughs> and I just preached my heart out. I said, we're going to do two points. God's going to do it. I knew. I knew. I knew he was with me. We had Christmas, and then January came, and people start walking into the church. It felt like daily. Some days it felt like all day. Tina Waltz walks in with the insurance, the, the, the will check that she got from the cousin. Another one walks in with 20000 they got that they didn't know they had. People come walking in crying, sobbing as they walk in the last four months of the campaign daily. Look what the Lord did. Look what the Lord did. Look what the Lord did. We committed. We did everything we could. We were down to the last four months and thought, I don't know how in the world I can get this money in these four months. And look what the Lord has done. And they started putting the checks on the altar. They started saying, God did this. God doesn't give us stuff just for ourselves. He gives us stuff so we can give to him so he can give it to us again and double it and triple it and quadruple it. And so it just kept happening. And it just kept happening. Every day it seemed like it just people streaming into the church. The last two weeks was absolutely ridiculous. Larry gets the Holy Ghost. He loves the church so much. Raised in a denominational church. He didn't know anything about the Spirit of the Lord, the power. And he strolls up to me. And this is a man that has nothing. He strolls up. He says, Pastor, I, I, I got some land. I said, you do? He says, yeah. He said, years ago, he said, I bought. Hallelujah. I bought the farm from my parents for $100,000. He says, I, I'm not farming it. I'm, I'm leasing it to someone to farm. He said, the Lord spoke to me and says, you need to give this land to imagine. And I said, well, Larry, how much, how much land? I mean, isn't an old pickup truck? You didn't have money. If you walked in here today, you'd say, no, nah, not him. He said, oh, got about 120 acres. <laughs> 20 of it's wooded. I give it to my kids. And, and the other is flat. You can put a GPS cruise control on your tractors and go back and forth. Farmers, big farmers like that. And it's perfect bottom land. It's worth a million dollars. So he prays a little more. He goes to his financial advisor and comes back. And well, my financial advisor told me to that I, I'll give a half a million, it, but everybody else is going to have to give a half a million. And I remember looking at him, we're, we got a couple months left in the campaign. Everybody else was broke. <laughs> and I started making a really good appeal, and, and Brother Erson, I really thought it was a good appeal. I did my level best, and I said, now, Larry, now here's the deal. And that's wonderful, awesome, perfect, beautiful. But you have to understand, we're broke right now. We've already given. If you just done this halfway through the campaign or in the beginning of the campaign, but... 
I, I could see no way that we could have a half a million dollars. There's no way. I, it's not there. It's just not there. People don't have it. It's just not there. And, and, uh, and he smiled and was wonderful about it. And he said, well, that's my deal. And I remember thinking, how am I going to go home and tell my wife? We had a cabin we had for a, just an investment that we were, it's a vacation rental in Brown County. And, and I, I thought, how am I going to go home and tell her that I'm going to sell her cabin too? Because I'm going to get that money. If you think I'm going to walk away from a half a million, you can have every pair of shoes, every suit for the kingdom. It didn't make any difference. And I thought, oh, Lord, my wife has been through so much, but she's about to go through it now. I said, all right, we'll do it. And that's when stuff started happening. Mark doubled his, he did it. He just doubled it. He said, okay, do it again. He did it again. 20,000 here, five there, one here, on and on. It kept happening. <laughs> I, I'll tell you the biggest, I think, the biggest miracle I the one couple that made 40 and pledged the whole year's salary, they had worked so hard to get their commitment. They'd sold everything they had. I mean, I mean everything but furniture, and, and probably got rid of that too. He'd done the liquidators thing. And, and, and they only made about 40 a year, so they didn't have money. They had no more money in the savings. And with God's blessings, they came within $1,500 of meeting their goal of $40,000. And they don't have a single penny left. Their bank accounts are empty. Their savings are empty. I'm walking up to the platform, and you understand this. I actually put my foot on the platform because I'm about to go up and announce the total of our campaign. Biggest announcement I've ever made. It was awesome. And as I put my foot on the step, John stops me and he says, Pastor, I need to tell you something. Now, I, I, I'll just tell you, I have a carnal side. I know you're not surprised. You look at me like, we do. <laughs> but I thought, if you tell me someone was molested, I'm going to hurt you in front of God and everybody. Not now, not today. No, oh, Pastor, you got to know. And I said, okay, tell me. He said, and, and the organ's waiting. The pianos, they're waiting to start church while I got a foot on the step. He says, you know, we came within $1,500. We've moped around this whole week trying to find money. Couldn't find it. Looked everywhere. Can't find the money. Said we emptied everything. And we got up this morning. He said, we're both muttering around. I think, come on, God. We got, we got within $1,500. Now, I thought I wanted to do cartwheels. How in the world did they come up with that much money? I was just, this is awesome. But to them, they'd failed. They said, God, how can you get us as close and just not get there? And finally, she looks at her watch. She says, oh, no, we're going to be late to church. Prayer meeting, actually. They're never late to prayer meeting. Said, we're going to be late. So she reaches in her drawer. She wears nylons. And she reached in to get nylons and realized she didn't have any nylons. And now she's really upset on top of not making their pledge. I don't have nylons, and we don't have time to go by the store and buy nylons. And now they're both upset. And he says, wait a minute. You remember last summer when you went to that neighborhood yard sale? You found that pair of nylons for 10 cents? And they begin to laugh. He said, well, have you used them? She said, I don't know. Well, let's look. So they open up drawers, and they start digging these old drawers. 
and they finally, there it is. There's that set of pair of nylons that she'd gotten at this yard sale almost a year earlier. She's on one side of the bed and he's on the other side. Now they're laughing hysterically as she rips open a sealed package of nylon and over $1,500 fell onto the bed. I still get chills right now when I told you that I got chills all over again. There's some things I might be able to explain, but I cannot explain a sealed package that right in the split of time, in the nick of time, the Lord says, I got your back. If you do all you can, if you do all you can, if you do everything you can, if you do everything, he said, if you do that, he said, I'll put it in my barrel. Press it down. And then my barrel becomes your barrel. I challenge you today. Don't be afraid of giving it all to him. If you really trust him, you can do it. Don't be afraid of that. Don't, don't let the world go. No. But believe God today because covenant giving says, if you will, I will. God will not multiply what's in your bank account. He multiplies what you put in the offering plate. God doesn't bless everything you have. He blesses what you give. Give and it shall be given. Don't just think I'm a good person and God's going to bless me. God's going to bless what you trust Him with. Somebody has a car that you really don't need. That car I'm driving out there, I'd driven this old buggy for so long it had 200,000 miles on it. And after the campaign was over, I thought I probably need to buy a new car because this is getting bad and I drive too many miles. So these people took us to dinner at a really nice place in Indianapolis, Ocean Climb, really nice restaurant. Wow. And on the way, he says, you know, I bought a car, and I need to stop by and sign a paper. And, you know, me being the control freak that I am, God help me. I said, well, if we do that, we'll be late to dinner. It's not even my gig. I didn't invite me to dinner. And I'm realizing that you better seal it. This is not your deal. And so I, I sealed it. We pulled up to this Lexus dealership. And, and the weird thing is, it's really hot outside, and they got out, turned the vehicle off, and left me in the vehicle. It's 90 degrees. And I know these people. I thought, how rude. <laughs> well, now i got to get out of the car because I can't sit in here. I'll suffocate. So I go inside. And I walked over to the new Lexus that I had, the one that was 12, 13 years old. So I walked over to a new one. I just wanted to see what the difference was. Stuck my head in. Salesman approaches. He says, he says, you like it? I says, yeah, but, you know, da 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 I just can't afford it. He says, I got another one I want to show you over here. And I says, no, we don't have time. We're on our way to dinner. Us control freaks, God help us. And, and, and suddenly I see behind him are these men, and they went, okay. And I went, so we walked out the side door, and here sits this beautiful black L S four sixty price tag on the side of $88,000. And I opened the door and I looked inside and I said, oh, British tan. 
I knew that was kind of special order. I do read about it, even though I can't afford it. I mean, you got to dream. You never get anything if you don't dream it. And I, I put my hand, I didn't even get in. I patted it. Oh, that's nice. He said, start it. And I thought, that's the dumbest thing. It's a Lexus. You can't even hear them when they start. I don't need to start it. I know it's really quiet. And then he says really a dumber statement. He says, if you don't, I'll be offended. And I backed up and looked at him thinking, what? Do what? And my good men are, and their wives are standing behind me. And they're like, I sat down. I hit the button. Started. And again, you can't hardly hear it. And I reached up to turn it off. And suddenly I see this hand in front of my face. And this key fob. And they said, Pastor, we bought this for you. Every time I get in this car, I don't get in it just thinking me. Neither one of these people made the amount this car was worth before imagine. Neither one of them could have paid $10,000 to give me a car. And now they're saying, here's this car. We got it for you. And I start crying because the miracle is at the end of the campaign, they both were headed to be millionaires. One of them already is. He made about 88000 to 90000 that year. And now, off the charts. The Lord blesses everything they touch. All these benefits are happening. So every time I get in that car, it's a miracle car. I don't deserve that car. In fact, we didn't quite have our building finished and... <laughs> We were still working, and you know in the building, you always needed, for a while, I needed another million. Every time I had a million, I need one more million. Toward the end, I needed 100,000. Every week, we need one more 100,000. You know, it's like, it just, it is what it is. It's okay, but it is what it is. And now I have this car that's worth $88,000, and so they took me to dinner and says, by the way, we talked to a couple leaders in the church, and they told us not to put this in your name, because we know you well enough. that you'd sell it and put it in that building. I said, you better believe it. So it's leased for four years, and then it's yours free. I, I don't, I don't, they put new tires on it. The whole, I mean, all I do is put the fuel in the thing. The key to this right now is they couldn't have afforded to do that. And now, income of the church has doubled since we started Imagine Campaign. Total income has doubled. Did you hear what I said? Doubled. Now the income can't double unless people's incomes. And I'm just saying to you today, and I'm going to close. I know I've been a little long here today. I'm telling you that if you'll trust God, He'll come through for you. And however deep you can trust him, however big you can trust him, he'll come through. I promise he'll come through. 
Is that are those is that money already in the safe somewhere or is it sitting out here somewhere? Okay. Is it being counted or okay. Is there any way you can bring that in here just real quickly? I, I don't want to mess things up. I, I don't I don't need it counted. I need it blessed. response a while ago, I couldn't even finish my sermon. It just tells all that we need to know here today. But I know by looking at your face that the Lord has dealt with somebody here today and you think you've done all you can do and while I was preaching today you realize, hey shouldn't we just kind of go for broke here? I know what you've done. I asked you before church and I just went, wow. You're doing awesome. I know what your commitments were. They were incredible. You're going to blow those commitments away. By the time we finished, our church had given five to six times what our tithing was in 36 months. They'd given 20% over what their commitments were. By the time it was all said and done, everybody was blessed immensely. And I'm telling you, God's not a respecter of persons. If you'll understand, if you will, He will. If you will, what we do. Well, when God blesses me, my boat comes in. Your boat's not coming in. You gotta, you, you gotta be the one that says, God, I'm gonna go for broke here. And if you'll go for broke, God will do something special. Reach over to someone next to you. Lay hands on one another and pray blessings on your friends right now. Bless their pocketbook, Lord. God bless them more than you bless me, Lord. Give them more than you've ever given me, Lord. Multiply what they have, Lord. Multiply what they have, Lord. Multiply what they have, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 My God, my God, my God. Jesus. 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 He's turning the water into wine right now. You're going to catch a fish, and there's going to be a coin in the fish's mouth. You don't have to figure it out. All you got to do is trust him. Pastor, give me a couple elders to hold this, and you come up here, please. 
There's still nobody standing there. We've got to let them see. Here's what's going to happen. He's going to pour oil on this. Right there, in just a moment, $75,000 just came in. Just, just like that, out of, just in a moment. It's a lot of money. Now, God's barrel, remember God's barrel. How big's God's barrel? How big's God's barrel? How rich is God? Oh! God can take 75,000 and make it 750,000 or 7.5 million. He can do whatever he wants to do. Here in a minute, I'm going to have the pastor pour oil on this money. We're going to anoint it, and God's going to bless it, and he's going to start blessing folks here. Now, if anybody else wants to get in, you hadn't got in yet, or, or maybe you're standing there saying, yeah, I didn't do enough. I got another $100 bill in my wallet. If you want to get in right now, you better get in fast. If, or you want to get in more, you can do it right now, because we're going to anoint this with oil, and God's going to do something so special. Come on, that's right. Go ahead. Trust him right now. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him, trust him, trust him. Maybe you got keys to something you want to give God. Maybe, maybe something represents that, but trust him. Trust him, trust him, trust him, trust him, trust him in Jesus' name. <laughs> Come on, church, let's stand up to our feet and praise him right now. Ha <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Here's some more, here's some more. Trust him, trust him, trust him, trust him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to give time for folks to write checks. This is not about money. This is not about buildings. This is about souls. This is about your grandbabies. This is about your great-grandbabies. This is about your children. You, somebody has children that's addicted to drugs. God's going to get them off of that in Jesus' name. God's going to mend somebody's marriage here today. He's going to give you a word of wisdom here today. Come on, come on. That's right. Don't, we got time right now. Holy Ghost is doing its work. Oh, 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 oh. Clap your hands to the Lord. Make a, make a joyful noise. Hallelujah. I'll just be honest with you. I did not plan to take an offering today. This was not in my agenda. I didn't take it, actually. He did it. I never asked for it. I wasn't in my notes. I, that's not what I was doing today. I was, I was trying to propel your faith for the last half of your campaign for you to know that I know it might feel like you're getting close to zero, but God's going to use that. He's going to bless you. And if you'll take that blessing and give it back to him again, do it again, do it again, do it again. You're going to be like the two men that bought the car. You're going to be better off than ever. Your children are going to be in the church. God's going to bless. Covenant giving really works. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Before we anoint this, I want you to lift your hands toward this right now. And each of you pray a blessing now.
before we anoint it. We're going to anoint it here when you're looking, just in a minute. But for right now, I just want you to pray. Now, each of you pray, and we're going to anoint this in a moment so you can see what happens. But go ahead. Come on. Pray, God, in Jesus' name. Multiply it. Multiply it. Put it in with your barrel, Lord Jesus. Multiply it. Multiply it. Jesus. Jesus. God, do a quick work. God, give testimonies. Do a quick work so we can have testimonies. That we trust you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Okay, put your hands down for a second. He's going to raise the oil up high and start pouring when he does. I want you to praise him as if someone just walked over and gave you a million dollars. I want you to praise him like you believe God's going to bless you in the near future. I, I, come on. I, I want you to, okay, get ready. You got to get quiet. No, no, get quiet. Get, hold it up just a little bit. Everybody ready? Okay, elders, come up around here. Come up around. Surround them right now. I want you elders to start praying the prayer of faith. Hallelujah. Just make sure nobody's standing in front of this, but get behind them and to the side. Hallelujah. Come on, brother. You pray the prayer of faith right now. Pray in the Holy Ghost. When you see the oil come out of that barrel right there, when he starts pouring that on, then you give your praise. Praise him like you see it happen. Jesus' name. Jesus! Whoa! your hands and make a joyful noise. Shout with a voice of triumph.
to be blessed. You're highly favored. You're highly favored. You're highly favored of the Lord. Yes, yes. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Turn to half a dozen people and say, it's on its way. It's on its way. It's on its way. Tell somebody what you think the Lord's going to do for you. Witness it. Testify.